On today's episode, we're gonna answer more of your questions about private membership associations. Stay tuned. There aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator's enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Hey, what's up everyone? Aaron here. Thanks for coming by and checking out another video. Now, like I said, today we're going to be doing more of a question and answer. You guys and gals all leave questions on the channel and I take them and try to answer them because sometimes they're just, you know, in depth and I just don't want to write so many paragraphs. So it's just easier for me to do it this way, to be completely honest with you. But before we get into those questions and statements and whatnot, Hey, real quick, before we get into today's video, I almost forgot, this does not constitute as legal or tax advice. This is just one opinion of one man. And uh, yeah, that's my disclaimer. I gotta work on it, but let's get into the video. Uh, there's a report here or a article that came out, I think it came out on the 12th. I will link this down below. And this has to do with this guy, Mike Lee. And he talks about the right of association and how it's the most violated right. And Basically, he talks about, let's see, um, where is it? Uh, he's in, uh, out of Washington, District of Columbia, and he says, uh, freedom of association is about as much at the headwaters of all of our other rights, certainly all of our First Amendment rights, as many of the other rights protected by the Bill of Rights, as you can think of. He goes on and says, uh, he said in an address to the Federal Society of 2022, National Lawyer Convention, quote, so much of what we do as a group, as entities we do together, relates to other rights and protects us so that we can remain, uh, so we can remind each other that we are not alone, end quote. And I think this is very important that we're starting to see right of association be talked about in, in the news. And I think this has to be brought to more people's attention. And he basically goes on and uh, it says in the article that, you know, Lee told a room full of mostly conservative lawyers and law students that the freedom of association aids other rights and gives the American people the power to more effectively stand up to the government and ex ex extract change. So he basically goes into where the lockdowns came into place and everything like that, not being able to associate and go to church and all these other things. So um, it's a very interesting read. It's a very good read. Um, so again, that's what it looks like if the camera will zoom in. And then what I will do is link this down in the description. So we've got that that we covered. Now, let's get to the, uh, the questions at hand. Now this is one that came from the Telegram group. I pulled from that, uh, it didn't actually come from the YouTube channel. So if you're not part of the Telegram group or you're not on noncompliance.org, the links are down below. I am trying to move off of Telegram. Telegram's good for a few things, especially file sharing, but trying to keep conversations in check, they're kind of all over the place. And that's why I like noncompliance.org. One, because myself and a couple other people run that platform, so information doesn't get shared with anybody. And two, it just allows more of a, you know, in our, within our group, more of a um, uh, structured form of communication. So like if I want to know something about banking and somebody asked a question about that, I can follow that thread as opposed to having to scroll through endless amounts of Telegram chat. So anyways, person says here, I'm new to PMAs. We just set ours up. When we start having members come in for services and we have certain members helping with the front desk duties and other things to run our association, do we give them cash, check, do they have to keep track of what they earn? So, 
It's a great question, first of all, because I get this a lot. So when it comes to how you're paying members that are helping your association, whether they're contracted employees or trustees or anybody else that you want to bring in to help, that all depends on how the trustees want to handle it. Now, commonly, there's two ways of looking at this. One, on one extreme, is that this is a private association. What happens here is private, and if I pay somebody 500 bucks for that week to come there and do work, well, that's between them and I, and nobody else's business. That's it. It's just kind of like if you were to hire your relative to come mow your lawn for the summer and you threw them 500 bucks for doing it, they're most likely not gonna report it, they're not gonna claim it on their taxes and that sort of thing. Again, that really depends on you. So, that being said, it comes into how the trustees wanna do it. The other side is the person is a contract employee, receives a 1099 at the end of the year. Now, yes, the PMA should keep track of who they're paying, and I use PMA in general, whether it's a ministry or uh, unincorporated association or uh, faith-based unincorporated association. It, it, I kind of use it in general. And I'm actually gonna start getting away from the name PMA, the Private Membership Association. Um, I think I'm gonna start going towards more of unincorporated association, that's really what they are, um, that are private. But I, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad information. I say this many times before about PMAs getting thrown around and, and when you look up court cases, a lot of the PMA stuff falls under the unincorporated association. So anyways, it's for a whole nother video, I'm getting sidetracked. But you as somebody that's working for a PMA should keep track of what you're earning and then, or what you're receiving for, for income or payment or what have you. And then the PMA should also have a set of books. So if they are ever questioned on whether they're running properly and um, legally and lawfully and all that good stuff, that they can show, yes, here's what we're doing. Here's our stuff, you know, so to speak if they wanted to. So great question. And I forgot to write down the name of who asked that in the telegram group, but thank you. Uh, let's see here. We have another one here that is, let's see, little rebel 1977. There's three ways that we can take back this country as Americans. One is going to the private and not public through PMAs and ministries. The second is getting a loyal title to our lands so that we are lawful title holders of our lands without registration and to all start exerting our right to travel all constitutional federal and state matters correcting your political status from a statutory citizen to a constitutional citizen is also a big move but people get too confused about that one so I don't want to handle this. Uh, there is some truth to what's being said here. Um, there is, and I really, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm struggling with this aspect. I hate to use the word public and private domain. It's more of a statute. It's more of a standing, whether it's public or private. And I just haven't figured out how I want to phrase that. But yes, as Americans, one of our fundamental rights is association and to be self-governing within that association and self-governing in general. So having more PMAs set up and having PMAs interacting and contracting with other PMAs and that sort of thing is gonna make a change in the long run. Now, when it comes to allodial titles, I might have to do a video on this, but basically that is, uh, well, I can't think of the guy's name right now that, that pushes this, but uh, I haven't seen anybody do it yet. I've seen allodial titles that somebody got off the internet from somewhere and said, look, this person did it. 
but personally i've never met anybody that has done it and i think that's because it's one of those things that originally when land was being sold from the government the government was issuing allodial titles at that point and then those went away and everything went to warranty deeds or quick claim deeds or what have you um and then there's there's also you know um thoughts that you know well you don't really own the land you only have right to the land and the way i look at it is this if i have a mortgage on that property yes i don't own that land yet i don't own that house i still have to finish that contractual agreement with that lender whoever i borrow that money from whether it's a private individual or a lending institution once i own that property it's free and clear and there's no liens on it then that's where i have to decide if i am a taxpayer or not and then how i'm going to manage that land and if I guess it really comes down to how many fights you want to have with local zoning and boards and stuff like that. Because overall, these statues laws are put into place for the overall good of society. However, if I want to put up a small barn on my property, I don't feel like I should have to jump through all those hoops with zoning and um, building codes and everything like that because it's my property. And there's ways to fight that. And Again, that depends on every individual where you want to go and how you want to fight these things. And I'll do a video on a loyal title um, and link some stuff in it uh, coming up. But it's one of those things where, again, it's it falls under that mythology category for me um, because unlike PMAs, there's not a clear cut way to do it. Now, there's sure there's some truth to it, just like when they talk about the political status change. I've seen some people articulate it and back it up by some case law where at the surface level it makes sense, but as you dig into it, I've yet to find somebody that says, yes, this is what I've done. I have this passport and this is what it says. And I've gone to court and they've thrown my case out because I've changed my political status or what have you. For me and me personally, there's not there's too much, this is kind of what you do, but not really how you do it. And I've seen too many people fail and end up in jail and stuff like that. So um, just be wary of that, I guess. And I did the video about Patriot mythology. I'll link it down below. It was kind of like a real quick 10,000 foot view because it is such an in-depth topic and there's so much about it. And um, yeah, I mean, like most people, most people go down that rabbit hole for one reason or another, and then they realize that it's a lot of hogwash. Yeah, I still use that word, hogwash. So anyways, thank you for your comment. Um, so this comes up a lot about the, the right to travel versus, um, you know, traveling versus driving and, and commerce and, and not commerce. And so anyways, um, there are court cases showing a free... Uh, here are court cases showing a free man's right to travel. The right to travel is well-established common right that does not owe its existence to the federal government. It is recognized by the courts as a natural right. List some court cases. So anyways, in a nutshell, yes, you have the right to travel. Anybody can get on the highways and byways and back roads and travel. Do you need a license for that? No, I can get in my car and I can travel wherever I want. Do you need a license plate? No, not necessarily. Are there laws or are there court cases that back that up? Yes. However, again, is that a fight I wanna waste my time on or are there more important things for me to be fighting for? 
So if I have a private plate in my car and I don't have insurance on it or anything like that, maybe I'm wealthy enough to be self-insured. So if I cause injury to somebody, I can remedy that injury. Um, if not, then I better have insurance because I don't want to be able not to make somebody whole should I maybe not pay attention. I'm texting and driving and I rear end somebody, right? Um, I've now caused damage to that person and harm. So now I need to make that person whole. And if I can't do that because I don't have the money set aside, because I haven't won the Powerball and I wasn't really good with my money, then I need to make sure I have insurance in place. Um, so for me, one of those things, yes, do I, we have, we have the freedom of liberty. Well, we have the freedom to do what we want, right? I can go and drive anywhere. I can go rob a bank if I want, but freedom and liberty is your know, liberty is freedom and morality, right? So just because I can do it doesn't make it right. Now, when it comes to traveling, sure, anybody can get in their car, or their scooter, their moped or their bike or walk or what have you and travel, get on your horse and buggy. I really don't care. My thing is, I don't want to deal with that nonsense of the police pulling me over. Hey, you don't have tags on your car. Hey, your vehicle's not registered. Yeah, great. It says not for public use and it's not being used in commerce. Yes, you can fight that, but we only have so much time on this planet. Why do we want to bother fighting that small thing? I, I mean, I guess for me, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but yes, technically, if you really want to go down the road, there are ways of doing it but just do your research and make sure you can articulate it and not just say, hey, some guy on the internet said. So thank you for that comment. Thank you for adding the court cases. I love it when you know you all comment on things and if you actually back it up by um, uh, different court cases and court standings, that makes things so much easier because then others can just look it up and read it for themselves and not just take it for face value as you should always look and cross check everything. Um, this came from, Wanderer lost. Um, sorry, it's been 12 days since you posted this. I've been extremely busy. Work's been crazy. But anyways, uh, I do apologize for not getting this sooner to you. But I wanted to start. I want to start my low voltage business as a PMA. That way, members get tech support as needed. But I call. But I called this place to help, and they wanted 10 grand to set it up for me. Whoa. And I know who that is. Um, and I've seen their documents. I don't think they're worth 10 grand. Um, they reference other states that have nothing to do with the state that you're in. But anyways, henceforth watching your videos like this one to see if it's something I can set up myself. I'm more into the give a man fish, feed him for a day, teach a man fish, feed, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime mentality. We all need to relearn our way of thinking as free people. So great points. I absolutely agree. Here's the thing. Most of us are busy. I've got a large family and it's only because my family is very understanding that they allowed me to, to, to consider to research this stuff and move forward with it. And a lot of it's done after people are in bed and before they get up or if I got some downtime at work, that sort of thing. So yes, do you need to hire or consult with somebody like myself or some other person that does PMAs, like, um, I'll just put it out there, Pro Advocate is probably who you talk to and they charge 10 grand. Um, no, you could look at different bylaws, different articles of organizations, whether they're statutory compliant, non-statutory compliant, and look at those and kind of get an idea of what goes into a bylaw or articles of organization or membership agreement and then understand certain cases and the US Constitution, the Bill of Rights, your state constitution, um, 
articles in periodicals, I guess is the best way to put it, that were written by the founding fathers and really understand where our right of association comes from. Yes, you can create your own documents 100%. I don't know how good those would hold up in court or even if they would. I know that the ones that I write have been tried and they've, they've held up. So that being said, yes, you can learn how to do this. You can put the time in, you can do the readings, you can do, you know, go to your law library, start looking up articles um, that deal with right of associations and what other much more intelligent people than me have written. And you could definitely do it on your own. And I think that's a great way and I commend you on that because it is a lot of learning, it is a lot of reading, and it's a lot of studying. Um, and I don't think that anybody should charge outrageous amounts of money to have a PMA set up. I think that's done out of preying on people's fear and especially during this pandemic over the last two years, almost three years now, I think, right? You had people selling affidavits, BS affidavits for $250 and they were telling people that you have this affidavit, you don't have to wear a mask and, and all this other nonsense out there. So just be leery on who you work with, what they charge you. I mean, I've seen websites that charge $275 for a PMA but they also get into the UCC, secure party creditors, changing your status, all this other stuff. And uh, I don't know, you, you don't know what you're getting. But anyways, um, yeah, you can do it yourself and you know, go for it. Just make sure that you're, you're, you're crossing all your T's, dotting all your I's and really diving into, you know, how these should be written up. Um, Free Radical 1567, two weeks ago. Excellent presentation, great info. Thank you, I appreciate that. It's always you know heartwarming to hear those comments. And uh, even the other ones, you guys called me out in a video I did about the Patriot mythology. I know I rushed through it. I wasn't even gonna release it. And I did because I get so many questions about it and I really should have just broken it up into sections and really dove, dive, dove, dove deep into those sections. And I apologize for that. And there's other people that know more about it than I do anyways so maybe i'll try to get some of them on as a guest speaker um let's see so this one comes from polar the white official i think that's how you say it so constitutions all 51 of them stand over statutes those who grant powers have no power over their creator we the people. So there is some truth to that. We form the colonies, then we form the government to protect our unalienable rights. And a lot of people think the government was formed first and that's where our rights come from. It's, well, our rights come from God and then we created the limited government, which is not limited anymore, to protect our rights, to ensure that if we are ever invaded or anything like that, that our way of life is being protected. And I don't have it in front of me, but there is some other stuff that talks about that. Um, how is it worded? That any law that basically contradicts the Constitution is repugnant and not a law. I don't quote me on that verbatim. I should have written it down. Um, so here's another one. This comes from Mayberry versus Madison out of 1803, and this. Court cases cited a lot in a lot of different aspects, but if any statement within any law which is passed unconstitutional, the whole law is unconstitutional. Mayberry vs. Madison, U.S. 137, 1803. And this just is kind of like a side note on Hoke versus Henderson, and that therefore no legislation that statutes 
which would deprive a citizen of rights of person or property without a regular trial according to the course and usage of common law would not be the law of the land. And that is uh, from Hoke versus Henderson. I'll put this in the description so you can check it out. Um, uh, so this is another one. This is from uh, Literal Liberal seven, uh, 1977. Again, this is great info, but it puzzles me that you think claiming sovereignty will end you up in jail. The corporation of the United States is just as much of a foreign for-profit corporation as the Federal Reserve. A U.S. citizen is owned chattel property of the U.S. corporation. It's constitutional law over statutory law, same as the PMA and ministries are. Common law of the Magna Carta being sovereign won't end you up in jail. In fact, I know quite a few people that actually can't be taken to jail because of their sovereignty. So... Um, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this one. So again, um, if this is working for you, I'm glad you're going down that, that path and, it, and it's holding up for you and you have friends that have done it again for me personally, I've seen more people fail than people that have actually succeeded. And I have yet to see anybody that cannot be taken to jail because of their sovereignty. Um, again, there's, um, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to put a montage together of people going to court and trying to use this whole free man and sovereignty, um, defense and how many times they've failed when they've could have just used the laws and proceedings and articles of discovery and their motions that would have helped them as opposed to trying to find this one silver bullet that, Hey, I've got this paper and it says you can't do this anyways. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. That's, that's just where I am on that one. So those are some of the questions and statements. I do appreciate them. Um, please on this video, leave some questions and comments of what you'd like to see in the next video or topics that you'd like to have covered. And, um, yeah, cause I, I, I always sometimes have a hard time thinking what we should talk about, but, uh, at the end of the day, Make sure you do your research, make sure you do your homework, and uh, if you have questions, leave them here. And if I can't answer them, I will also let you know that too. I don't know everything, I'm not the end all be all. But um, as always, thanks for watching. See you on the next video, peace.